listening to history and music episode 19 our goal every episode is to choose a song that highlights an interesting time in history to discuss the setting and characters that bring the lyrics to life today's song lies within a unique and entertaining subgenre of music that is often under discussed um and i'm joined by my friend and co-host sean and we're here to do just that discuss the genre of music um Many find it distasteful, but alluring all the same. Uh, and I'm here with Sean. How's it going, Sean? Hey, man. Good to be back. Yeah, great to be back. Um, how's despite, the weather? This, despite the snow outside, like we were just talking yeah. about. It's supposed to be spring. Yeah. What's going on? I know. It's it's crazy up here in the mountains. Um, we're also here, joined by the one who um, submitted the, this interesting song, Uh granite how's it going granite hi guys thank you for having me on your very cool show <laughs> I, th- I think i've listened to probably all the episodes so you could say i'm a i'm a legit fan nice i think i think i think the term that kids are using is a hemster <laughs> oh is that, is that like the, the, yeah. a fan name yeah it's a thing yeah, yeah, yeah. If i go to what's it called like wiki wiki fan or something like that or whatever yeah yep find find us under hemster fandom wiki um so how's it going uh it's going it's going good um let's see wait should i get into the song or or, or what else what, what should i start with you guys prefaced me on this but i already forgot <laughs> oh okay. no we're uh we're we, we want the people to get to know who uh, who we have on oh um, sure yeah so, yeah who are so, you and why should we care i guess for relevance i'm I, i'm a I guess I'm mostly anonymous. You know, there's a lot of people who I, who I know, but um, but I'm mostly anonymous. Twitter poster for for the most part, I guess. That's like my my identity floating out there. Um, it's just a Twitter person, um, and I think we're you know we are all in some of the same circles and stuff, so we we interact you know all the time. Um, that's how I that's how I know you guys. Um, I don't know what else would be relevant. I mean, I. I'll I'll maybe get into it later, but I also do a podcast. Um, but uh, I'll I'll plug that later. It's it's more tasteful to do it at the end, I think. Um, no, you can plug it now. Your, uh, oh, sure. So Grant's podcast is, is pretty awesome. Um, why don't you tell us what yours is about? Um, I do something. I call it uh, Granite Mountain Movie Club, and Movie Club is basically, I guess, the original idea was kind of like a book club, where I would basically tell people in advance what what like a movie to watch or something then we'd all watch it and then gather together and uh and then just talk about it and you know we we kind of we overanalyze the stuff kind of that's kind of the point though um is to just like you know just everyone point out whatever they thought and saw and uh you know 
I encourage like wild theories. Um, and, and we do all of this as well. I think the, I guess the most important part, we do all of this from like a, uh, I, you know, I've, I've done it for over a year and I have not found the right, the right term for it, but I guess, uh, you know, I, we do it from like a socially conservative point of view or something, or like, you know, you joke around ba- based in red pill, based in red yeah, pill, like what the kids are saying nowadays. Yeah. And I, I joke around sometimes and say it's based in red pill or whatever, but, um, and I, and I guess that's right. I guess that's like the best, the, the quickest shorthand for what it is we're doing. But, uh, but yeah, we look at new movies, old movies, uh, other items of media as well. And just try and try and have fun. Um, you know, reclaiming narratives or something, you know, maybe, maybe one movie is, is seen as like, um, like maybe someone might say, Oh, this movie has like liberal messaging or something. We'll, we'll go in and we'll say like, well, actually, you know, the story, the story is actually only any good because it's not liberal or because, uh, because of something like that, you know, we, and we take liberties, we joke around, but that's kind of the, the idea of the show. That's good. And, and, and it sounds like we're a uh, mutual super fans of each other's podcast because i've listened to almost all of yours so same yeah same thank you guys um, i'm like well, i'm like grinding out there trying to like you know i don't obviously these are like i mean i don't know how big i don't know how big your audience is my audience is very small and uh, everyone, should, everyone should go subscribe but um uh uh i don't obviously don't like make money or have like a big following or anything but but for some reason i just have this drive i do want it to grow and uh someday i, I think it will yeah. Yeah. I've been podcasting for several years now. I have, I have, a, I also have a movie podcast. Um, I guess, I guess you could, if we're going to keep using like the internet nomenclature for things, it's more of a normie podcast uh, about movies. Um, the it's called cold bow, cold bow. Um, and, and yeah, the, it's, we were really motivated at the beginning for a long time to, to grow it and to get cool guests and stuff like that. But, um, sometimes you have to just have like the mentality that it, you, you're kind of doing it for your bros and that's it. And that kind of gets you through it. But, um, if the growth doesn't come anyway, yeah, that's part of the reason we do this. I actually also had a podcast since we're talking about our, our past <laughs> lives. Um, about four years ago, uh, my brother, Andrew and I, um, my brother, Andrew, who's actually been a guest on this podcast. Um, he and I had a podcast where we kind of, um, it was called board dads, and it was just basically he and I, um, where we would we would get an old board game, like a classic one from like the seventies or eighties, like these kind of cheesy, like you know, space themed ones or whatever that we'd find at thrift stores, and we'd play them, and then we just talk about it for thirty minutes on a podcast, just kind of joke around, and it was it was all just kind of messing around on and everything. But uh, we had about seven or eight episodes, and then he had a baby and moved away, went to school, and it never picked it back up. But it was fun while it lasted. But like I said, yeah. this one's for the boys. Yeah. The content game is is tough. It's tough to keep yeah, going. Tough to build an audience unless you're like a, uh, already kind of famous or something. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. Because it used to be we're talking this a little bit about this before we started recording. Like, I don't want to call it inside baseball because it's not like we're like big podcasters. But um, with podcasts, you're you're competing with like like world famous comedians and movie stars and journalists that have followings because they are connected to a big whatever publication or whatever. And so, um, yeah, it's kind of hard to, to get in the game. Um, especially well, like, you're really saying, like you're saying, like you're 
Yeah, like you were saying, Scott, like the, the democratization of podcasting means like anyone and their mom can do it. So therefore, anyone and their mom has a podcast about any topic you can think of. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes if, you, if you're not doing something to make yourself stand out, you kind of get lost in the, the noise. And, and all it know? took was, was some, uh, some big cats to figure out how to monetize. And then it just like blew up. Yep. Um, but we're not but, really here to monetize. Or talk about or talk about podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, so, I have a I have a theory. Uh, we'll 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 move on. I'll let you guys move on. Uh, but no, no uh, go ahead. A, no, go ahead, man. But my you know my main thing about podcasts. I was mentioning this a minute ago. Is it's sort of like a it's sort of like a replacement for having friends around at the time. Like I'll turn on a podcast, and and even if it's famous people, although a lot of the podcasts I listen to are, are kind of people just like us, but. I'll turn it on and it's like, this is who I'm hanging out with at the moment. Like, um, <laughs> and so, so, uh, I forgot the point I was going to make anyway. There's a, uh, you know, there's, there's room for, a, Oh, the point I'm making is like, even if you go off, go off track, I, I never mind when people go off track. Like I, I always like the, the tangents and stuff. Yeah. No, I was just listening to uh good old boys and they, um, they, their intro or like their preamble, was like an hour and 19 minutes where they were explaining like they just went off on like Roman history. Yeah. Um, and then and their guest was kind of just sitting there the whole time until they got into the, like the finance, <laughs> like they were talking about the finance, like the banking crap that went down with the, a couple weeks ago. Um, and then, so, so like, I was like, okay, I feel a lot better. Cause that was like, that, that went on forever. Like I loved it. It was awesome. And that's what people, that's, listen, that's why they tune in. And so, uh, yeah, made me feel better about about ranting or or going off the topic. For a yeah. Bit. So, rain, like, rain during the course of this conversation, rain rain me in whenever you need to. But also know that I don't like feel uh, I'm not like that committed to any given topic. So, <laughs> same. So, granite or or granite mountain, as your as your name is. Um, you want to give us an idea of like just kind of you, you told us kind of you know how we know you. But let's talk musically. So what kind of music do you listen to now? What did you grow up listening to? Kind of give us your your history in music personally, if you will. Yeah, I would say I was always a pretty big music head. Um, I'm a child of the 90s, but uh, I guess it was probably pretty standard for like us 90s kids to uh, listen to, you know, like oldies or like 60s and 70s rock and stuff. I, I think I, I really grew up on classic rock. Um dad rock yeah like uh like zeppelin and stuff like that i was really into um i, I guess I, I i would say like I, I consumed the like the rock and roll canon you know all the all the standard stuff like zeppelin and the beatles and pink floyd and um stuff like that i was really into uh in like probably my early teens and i'm i still like all that stuff and then um yeah probably, th- that stuff yeah. was like i feel like for for our age the, the dad rock stuff was just kind of a default. It was just the easy thing to say if if you didn't have like a, a like if you weren't like a punk that was obviously a punk or 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 whatever, just easy to say, yeah, just listen to oldies or whatever. That, yeah. I mean, that's how I kind of did it. Do you yeah. guys do you guys do you guys know your dad's favorite band? Like if you if you were asked like what your dad's favorite band was from the era, do you know what it would be? Van Halen. Really? Okay. Yeah. Granite, what do you think? For your dad. My dad, my dad's totally not a music head. Like he, we would get in the car. So I'm, I, you know, I can, 
I can location dox my 12 year old self, but um, <laughs> raised in like the Salt Lake area and he would just turn on uh, oldies 94.1. Mm-hmm. That's just like what he listened to or, or AM radio, but like, um, yeah, he just listened to the oldies station. That's just like, he didn't, if he would not have known who like any, any of the bands were that we were listening to. Um, he barely knew anything. Yeah. He like, he like knew who the Beatles were, but he like didn't, he wouldn't like recognize most of their songs just by sound. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my dad's my dad's favorite band was Bad Company. Still is, I think. But it's a, yeah. little more, a little more of an underground one. But anyway, sorry to cut yeah. you off. Keep going. Oh, yeah. Then in, in later teens, um, I I guess I got more into like indie rock. Um, but uh, and I played in some like rock bands and stuff, guitar and bass, like nothing too, nothing too sophisticated. Um, <clears throat> probably I my sort of granite lore. You were in some rock bands. What 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 did you play? Um, I I played mostly bass and then guitar. and some guitar, yeah. Um, nice. to, which like you know to me were like they were basically the same thing. You know, one's just like bigger than the other. Uh, that's like the level of sophistication I was at. <laughs> um, but uh, probably my later teens and stuff. Like I I, pro- I got really into uh, I got really into Radiohead. They're still probably one of my my like Mount Rushmore bands. Um. And I, I'm like still really impressed with how they are still putting out good stuff in their, you know, like fourth decade or whatever as a band, third decade, fourth decade, I think. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I got got really into like indie rock, Radiohead. Um, it, there's this cliche, I guess. People say like, "Oh, I like everything," or "I like something from every genre." But uh, I genuinely do. Um, I'm I'm very open. I'll try anything, but I'm also pretty critical. So like, I'll just I'll shut it off too if it. I think it sucks. Unless one of us submits it to one of the the uh, Twitter chats, you have to listen use to the those. music chats. Yeah. Oh Cause yeah, I, yeah. Because if I hear Radiohead, I'm gonna shut it off. I'm sorry. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> it's all it against me. <laughs> you'll yeah, it's fine. You'll you'll get there someday. <laughs> so awesome, man. Well, um, okay. So I, I kind of get a feel for. Um, you know, who you are musically, you know, both current and past. Um, so the, the song that we're talking about today is Down in the Willow Garden, which is an old folk song. We'll get into that in a minute. But the version that, that you actually picked, um, Mr. Mountain, was um, by the Chieftains and Bonnie Vare. So you want to walk us through how you found this song and maybe why you picked it? Yeah. So this ties in actually to back to my, my love of film because um i don't know where i discovered the song the first time but um i know that it was uh in the film raising arizona which i think is like 1989 or 1988 or something they the song is actually in that movie twice um one time holly hunter's character is singing it to the baby which is a funny song to sing to a baby um and i don't know what the yeah, I don't know what the Coen brothers meant by that. Like, you know, cause you don't, that's a very tight movie. The script is incredibly tight. And so I don't know why exactly they chose to use that, the lines, some of the lines from that song in, in the, one of the scenes. And then probably the best scene of the movie and one of the best scenes in film ever is where uh, Nicolas Cage is describing, you know, like he's basically describing the eternities and his like family and there's a, an instrumental version of this song playing in the background. 
and I'm not sure why, you know, with the Cone Brothers, I don't know if they just like the melody or something, but um, that might be, that's probably the first time I ever heard it. Uh, but then I think I just discovered it later, just just on my own, just kind of browsing uh, folk music or something. So apparently this version was on uh, the credits of episode four of Fargo, the TV show. Yeah, so then, yeah, so... Yeah, and I think they. Yeah, I think this version was used on the Fargo TV show, which the Coen Brothers mm-hmm. didn't make, but the TV show is based on their movie, kind of. Um, uh, and I think it was just used as an homage to them because it was known that they like it. Uh, Interesting. I've never yeah. seen Raising Arizona. I've heard it, but does it take place in like Appalachia or something like that, or is someone Appalachian in the in the movie? I'm wondering if maybe that's why they picked that song, but. I think it takes place in Arizona yeah, um, or it's, it's in the, it's in the Southwest um, Arizona or, or Nevada or something. But um, no, it's a, I mean, while we're, while we're on it, I mean, I'll just say it's a, it's like a perfect movie more or less. It's like one of the, one of the tightest scripts that's ever written. And uh, I think it's, you know, it's like 90 minutes and it's like 60 miles per hour, zero to 60 immediately the whole movie. So it's, a, and it's, it's very funny, very fun. Yeah. And I know that you're not a big fan of long movies, so the length does uh, does help it. It seems. Well, I am. I actually am a big fan of long movies if they if I feel like they need to be long. But I but I, I do I appreciate. We, did we lose you? Um, I can hear you guys. I can. Hear I still you. see. I still see oh. the recording lines. Maybe it was me. Sorry. Yeah, I could hear. I could hear you the whole time, Grant. Keep going. Um, but I but I really appreciate a, a really. Uh, tight movie. I do appreciate a quick movie that's like that's that's strong. Is that is it your favorite? Is that your favorite Coen Brothers movie? Um, it's top like three. It's hard to say. Probably. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's hard to uh, pick between that and No Country and Fargo. No No Country and Raising Arizona are probably the my two favorites. But because I, I know that you guys recently did on your podcast, you did the Manosphere for all the Michael Mann films. You should do a Coen verse for all the all the Coen Brothers movies. <laughs> Yeah, definitely want to at some point. Yeah, looking for that will be a that will be a good one. Maybe they just like folk music because I know they did Inside Llewellyn Davis, and there's a really good song in that one where it's a it's a duet that's sung by Marcus Mumford, the singer of Mumford and Sons, and yeah. what's his face, the guy that plays uh, Poe Dameron from from Star Wars. Yeah, um, Oscar Isaac. Uh, Oscar Isaac, yeah. And so, well, maybe- yeah, and they also, you know, they did. Um, Oh, brother, where art thou? Which you right. know has, has a lot of Appalachian music too. Right. So yeah, it, it, I mean, folk music kind of just fits their vibe, and, and they're they're all about vibe, the Coen Brothers, and so I think it just fits. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, so that's your history with that song. Um. Uh, I wanted to ask you also, what's your uh, what's your interest in um, in history itself, like? Do you have any any uh, part of like you like uh, like American history, the Revolutionary War? Um, history, like, what kind of what kind of history do you like? Yeah, na- name every history. Um, my <laughs> yeah, you like you like history. Name all of it. My favorite his well. So here's my like rant on history. Is I actually I kind of think it's not real. Like, um, I, I kind of business. Yeah, I kind of don't believe in history. I mean, I do, but it's like, uh, you know, an event, have you guys ever been involved with something like an event that later ended up in a newspaper? 
Um, kind of. Kind like of. Maybe, yeah. maybe you witnessed something in a bit. I don't know. So like there was, there's been a couple times in my life where uh, like one time I was working somewhere and, and the company I was working for did something and it made the papers. It wasn't even a bad thing. It was just kind of a neutral thing, but like the coverage of it was so incredibly bad. Like, um, and it wasn't even maliciously bad. It was just bad and in- inaccurate. And so I was thinking, well, it's, we're not going to go out and like correct the record. Uh, and if, even if we wanted to, like my company, we don't have like a newspaper or like an official sort of place to publish our correction. So this is just the official story now. Like in a hundred years, if someone Googles the name of this company and they might see that like some, some, they might see we did something that we didn't actually do. Uh, and like I say, it wasn't even a bad thing. It's just like, and so then I, I extrapolate that to like history in general. And it's like, how much of history is real or like, how much of it is just like some guy said something and that's all we know. And that's what we go with. Cause it's like, we, we see this all the time where it's like, Oh, uh, you know, we all, everyone. And, and I'm, I don't actually know that much about history. So I'm totally just like rambling, but you, you occasionally we'll see these headlines. It's like, Oh, new letter appears that says, you know, George Washington was a jerk or something. And it's like, well, yeah, like maybe the letter, the letter could have been written by an enemy. The letter could have been written by the letter could be totally like fake. I you know, I could write a letter and sign it as Benjamin Franklin even way back then. And people have been like, yeah, sure. You know, could be, could be. And like, mm-hmm. that would just kind of become the truth. Uh, so that being said, I mean, I don't literally believe history is fake. I'm sure like a lot of what we read and tell each other is true, but, but I've like leave pretty wide, pretty wide doors open that a lot of history is not real. So th- this is actually, uh, again, re- referencing the Good Old Boys podcast. They In that same episode, they talked about how, like, what we get out of history. Um, and maybe I misunderstood what they're saying. But, like, it doesn't have to be 100% correct to get the value out of, like, a- a- out of a historic whatever. Um, and uh, I'm trying to articulate this on the spot i heard it i listened to it too and i and i i I liked what they had to say i I basically agreed with it yeah yeah it was it was basically that like um it's it doesn't have to be true to have the the right effect like um it's uh they compared george washington again george washington uh um cutting down the apple tree or whatever and, and never telling a lie like that that's it's it's less about what actually happened because there's lots of people that say that didn't ever happen, but it's it's why would they put that that story in the history books because that's what they wanted wanted you to know what their values were at the time. Yeah. Um. And so and so you kind of have to look at it at like one level abstraction up, um, and say what, like what what does this story mean if it if it's like looking at it like a like a fable or something what what does it mean. You know? Yeah, so that's actually one one reason I like um, I like looking at things like I like looking at media a lot, like movies, and I like looking at advertisements. You know, from previous eras, gives you a good idea of like what people thought, especially advertising, because that's kind of like you usually you 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 know you stick within like the the norms of the time for advertising, mm-hmm. although that doesn't seem true anymore, I guess, because advertising is now like an activist tool, but 
I don't know if it was in the past, but um, but I like looking at those things because there's like an abstraction to them. It at least tells us like, oh, this is what people were comfortable with or found appealing back then. Right. Well, and uh, that's something that that because uh, as you guys probably know, that's I got my degree in history. Although we are anti-credentialism here, the one thing I will say to that is um, a lot of people think that when you study history as like a, a profession or in, in an academic setting, that your entire uh, academic experience is just memorizing names and dates and like when things happened and memorizing maps, and it's almost none of that. In fact, um, if you talk to most historians. I'm not a historian. I just got a degree in it. But most most of what they train you to do is basically to, to see connections, like how did A lead to B and how did A and B lead to C, you know, and kind of extrapolate like how one thing led to another and how they're connected and related. But the main thing they teach you is how to read something or, or look at something and detect bias. And so I can read yeah. that letter from, that, that was supposedly written about George Washington and detect bias based on, okay, who wrote it? When was it written? What was the, what was the intent of this guy writing this letter? Was this guy one of like Washington's political opponents? And maybe that's why he wrote it to try and like, you know, besmirch the guy's name. And so the whole idea is basically de- determining, okay, what is the grain of truth here? Because this guy is biased and he's writing from his perspective and he's trying to communicate one thing, one set of values like Scott's talking about, but what's the grain of truth here? Like where, where is, where is this, this bias coming in? And if we, if we take out the bias, what is the truth? Like what can we verifiably prove is true? But most importantly, how can I bend his words to meet my political will? Right. 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 That's the most, that's that's actually what most history is for. That's what I use it for. Well, yeah, there's always those every, you know, year or so there's like another, there's always these like cool airport, uh, history books it's like the new history book shows that you know person you liked is was bad actually you know yeah um and that and yeah so that that, that does seem like what historians do is it's basically like they're they're kind of uh and i'm not even like talking bad on them i guess but just they they are working to establish some sort of narrative and see if they can defend it Right. right. Well, and that's that's the whole thing is is a shifting of narratives or or pushing a narrative. And I saw this even when I was in college, you know, what, over a decade ago. Is it was all about well, let's change the narrative. So uh, actually, all the guys you thought were good were bad actually, and all the guys you thought were bad are good actually. And everyone was actually secretly gay, and everyone yeah. secretly <laughs> had like you know they were they all had interracial relationships. They trying to push all this stuff and. It's not real history, if you understand what history really is, but it's all about just pushing a narrative of, of whatever that particular person's political stripe is. Yeah. Right. One, one that I've seen a bunch is like finding one very obscure instance of something happening and then being like, oh, see, this was normal back then. It's like, yeah. well, you here's an example of how this person did this their entire life. It's like, dude, no, you have like one source that's not, it's not yeah. legit. Yeah. So, so I guess I'm coming back to, I think history is fake. <laughs> yeah. Well, but see, the thing is, to your point, to your point, Granite, so that news, newspaper article you're talking about, there probably is some truth to it, though. So what that uh, would mean, right? Or is there uh, not? Yeah, I mean, there's truth in the sense that it's like... Uh, the event you know, happened, got, right? You got some of like the names and stuff right, you know, of people who are involved, but uh, I don't know. It's not always clear. I can't, yeah, I can't go too much into the specifics of that one, but... It's fine. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I kind of want to say no, but 
But I mean, but yeah, I don't know. Basically, no, they didn't really get anything right, but they did like okay. document that this company existed, you know, at this time period. So that's like, there's, you know, there's history in that. Well, it sounds like your issues with journalism then, and we have no, no, <laughs> no argument well, there. Yeah, but, but that's what, yeah, of course, of course. But like, what are, like, what if there were journalists just as bad, you know, 150 years ago? Uh, and, there there and, were. Yeah. So. I mean, anyway, yeah, you, you, I don't, I, I should also add, I don't actually know really anything about history. Like I've, I'm extremely unstudied in this stuff. Like, uh, um, and if I did have a period I was like interested in, I mean, I'm pretty American, American centric, like just in my, my life, American and British Isles centric, I guess. Um, Anglosphere stuff. I'm not, you know, I, I don't have a good handle on like European history or like Roman, the Roman empire or stuff like that. I, I really don't. Yeah. That's cool. Um, well, to, to kind of bring this conversation full circle to uh, the podcast here is uh, I feel like um, <clears throat> the, this, the, the whole idea of how you, how you study history. Um, like I, I've heard people discuss um, there's, there's different types of, of, of study of history. Um, one being like just facts, just like being able to rattle off facts. Um, and then the other is to like kind of study heroes and to um, and th- th- like we were discussing, uh, kind of trying to figure out like the ethos of what of what, who this person was and and the events that they did and and how like you said, Sean, how this event connected to this event and how they inspired each other, or whatever. Um, I feel like our mission on this podcast kind of fits that style of of history because just by just by nature of of putting history in a poem or a song or something um you kind of have to abstract out a lot of the facts and a lot of like the 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 nonsense um and and get get to like the kind of the um the how do you say it like the ethos or, or the the meat of what was happening um, without without getting into names and dates and and all that. Well, this is uh, something interesting. Um, I'll just last thing I'll say. I swear. Um, this is something interesting that came up in our episode with with Doctor Bennett talking about Genghis Khan or Chinggis Khan, um, and that's something that that was that was kind of like one of the themes that we kept coming back to in that episode is. Um, Bennett was talking about how what he finds fascinating is when you look at any sort of mythology or ancient history or even current history, like what is what facts or what ideas or what narratives persist through every telling of the story, because that may be closer to what the truth actually was. Like you were talking about granite, like, you know, if it's reported in a newspaper, it might be completely hundred percent false, but if another newspaper reports it and another one, another one, another one, and, and it's been told by like, 500 people, there might be some, some threads that carry through all those, all those different stories that, that might kind of get closer to what the truth actually was of what occurred. And that was, that was kind of Bennett's whole idea is like, well, when you hear these, these mythologies of, of like Mongol warriors or Genghis Khan or, 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 you know, the story of their gods or whatever, what is, what persists in all the tellings of these stories, you know, A, A, B and C always persist. So that must mean that there was some truth to that in some form or fashion. Which I which I find yeah, fascinating as well. I think that's a, I think that's a powerful idea. I think that that yeah. more or less works. Yeah, I agree. So down in the Willow Garden, like what happened in the Willow Garden? <laughs> oh, some nasty things. Well, yeah. I mean, from this song, we know that we know that uh, 
you know, people, you know, murder existed back then. <laughs> it did. It did. Believe it or not. For a fact. Um, so this song is a, uh, it's what you call a murder ballad. Um, uh, being a song that is, uh, that's a narrative, right? So it, it, each, each, uh, um, stanza or verse or whatever, um, covers the next bit in the story. There's characters, um, that, uh, that act and, um, and then there's a resolution at the end. And obviously sometime in the middle, there was a murder because it's a murder ballad. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the subgenre we're in here. Um, specifically Appalachian murder ballads, I believe. Yeah. yeah I because cause, cause right. last episode, um, we, we talked about, um, the English curse, which is a murder ballad, but it's, but it's setting is much further in the past than this. Right. My, my research could, could be not correct, but my, in like reading about this, this uh, call it a genre or sub subgenre, the, the term murder ballad, as I understand it, does generally mean like uh scots irish folk song about murder that's that but i mean that might not strictly be true but that's kind of how uh some of the like the people in the music yeah in the musicology world talk about it yeah i was i, I was kind of googling murder ballads and there was like 101 murder ballads that, that you love and it's like killer songs and uh and like bohemian rhapsody and Eminem and stuff like that but but for for the for this it's like no it's um they're they're mostly folk like uh english type yeah yeah a lot, a lot of irish folk songs are are very much like this one so i think i think you're right but it, uh, granted it's a very much a scotch irish thing um and i and supposedly like because this song is, is specifically an Appalachian murder ballad in Appalachia or Appalachia, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Um, a lot of that region was founded by Northern English, Scott Irish people. And so I think that's the idea is that, 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 that tradition persisted, you know, until very recently. For sure. Um, yeah. It's, it's an interesting uh, uh, genre and there's, uh, there's kind of, um, there's themes that, that show up over and over again. Um, it's usually like, uh, and like, uh, what, what would you say? It's like, it's usually, uh, like an innocent woman. Some usually sometimes pregnant, uh, is, is killed by, uh, her, her lover or whatever. Yeah. A lot of these, um, well, this, so, I'll go actually a couple steps back. I think I, first of all, for the folks at home, I threw these guys a curveball with this song because this is the history in music podcast, right? That's, that's like the name, right? H I M. So to, to your loyal hymsters. Uh, but the, what I, the kind of concept I was going with was more of a history of music thing. Um, so using this song as kind of like a gateway to, to this, to this, murder ballad thing and the best thing the best i can tell is that these songs were kind of like the uh almost like the true crime uh like dateline thing that that women consume now or 
like true crime murder podcasts, which a lot of also women consume. Like these, I think a lot of these songs were kind of meant as like warnings. And also, I think there's also a titillation element to them. It's like, ooh, this spooky story of people having affairs and killing each other. Like, this is very naughty. Like, but it's also, you know, kind of fun. Um, But also meant to be like, you know, these people weren't, a lot of them were not literate. Like, so you, you make, you put these things in songs to get it out there. Like, hey, don't, you know, don't, uh, don't go cheat on your spouse uh, or don't like, don't don't date a married man or don't date a guy who's shady because you might get murdered murder balloted <laughs> well and that's part yeah. of, that's part of the the reason they do these kind of things was always to, it was it was usually to teach some kind of a lesson right to to push like a a, a values statement right it's like hey look yeah. look so and so tommy Connolly or whatever you know he did this and this and this and look what happened got his head chopped off or what you know or whatever the, yeah. <laughs> the resolution of the song that- is yeah, it, it's a lot like uh, fables that you hear, like old European fable, like Aesop's type fables, where th- they're stories that teach a lesson, and these are very similar, um, very kind of specific lesson in these. Um, uh, yeah, the best, I, the best I can tell, that's like the point of most of these. Mm-hmm. Although some that I encountered in just like reading around, and I don't have like all the names handy, but but they're all they're mostly like pretty good, pretty listenable, so. Maybe I maybe at some point I put together like a YouTube playlist or something and and you, we can share it or something. But um, they some of them are, are they're mostly really pretty good. But some of them I found were were not about they weren't warning at least to young women. They were some of them are just about like women killing their lovers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They yeah I was um, actually uh, I was listening to this other podcast that's called Murder Ballad Murder Ballads. It's on it's only on spotify i don't necessarily recommend it it's like this super woke lady um talking like these feminists talking about how horrible uh, murder ballads are because they're all misogynistic you already lost me scott i know it's bad <laughs> um but it was really funny to, to see how how much they praised like the dixie chicks when they flipped the script and, and made their their song about murdering oh, when earl had to die or whatever yeah yeah that one um, so, so it's totally fine when women do it, um, but very problematic when men do it. And, and they kind of skipped right over, like, like we were saying, Granite, the whole idea that the, these are, uh, these are here to teach and they're, they're kind of, uh, teaching templates kind of thing. Um, they, they kind of skipped over that. Just that I think they just assume that it's giving permission to men to, uh, to, to murder, murder. Because yeah, they, they 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 went over the one of the Johnny Cash ones, um, and and the, like how horrible it was, and the, and then they go, see this one's a downer, but listen to the to the Dixie Chicks, feel a vibe of this one. It's it's really fun. See, women made made it funny to do to do these murder ballads. <laughs> I already so, hate okay, this. That, that's this, that's <laughs> that makes it better. Good job. <laughs> but anyway, I'm, I may have found something. I don't think it's the same woman, but I found a YouTube video because I was yeah I was I was just googling like you know murder ballad history history of, and there was this girl who, yeah she her like thumbnail on her thing was like murder ballads question mark. It's like misogyny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Probably same. Yeah. And uh, yeah, her thing, she didn't mention the lessons thing. She was just like, Oh yeah, these were songs designed to control women's sexuality mm-hmm. and to make women feel bad. And 
all this stuff. It's like, well, no, these are frontier people. You probably actually do need to control each other's sexuality a bit. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're here taking back the narrative that that podcast was lame. Don't listen to it. Listen to ours. <laughs> it's just for the, just for the men out there, ladies, you can turn this yeah. off. <laughs> Or, I don't care. You can if you're kidding, if you're yeah, a lady, actually, you, you yeah. can listen. Like, yeah. I I periodically check the um, analytics on my own podcast, and it's almost always like ninety nine percent male between the well, ages. Of... You, you get a lot of your traffic on YouTube, and they have better metrics on yeah. that. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Spotify offers it too, and like Anchor and stuff. And they, yeah, it's like always just pure male, <laughs> as it should be, as yeah. the Lord intended. <laughs> Women don't like action movies, huh? I guess not. I don't know. Um, so, okay. So should we, uh, this song specifically though, we talked a little bit about murder ballads. This one is considered a murder ballad ballad. It's a fairly well-known song. The song is called down in the willow garden. Like we've already said, it sometimes goes by other names. Um, and I don't know if you guys want to speak to like the history of this song specifically, but, it's 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 a little hard to pinpoint because whenever you have folk ballads like this, no one really knows who originally wrote it or where it came from or when. They know it's roughly from the Appalachia region, and they know that it's from kind of like the the early 1900s, you know, like 1800s, 1810s. You know, there's there's similar songs or similar lyrics or a similar tune that were kind of floating around the region, mm-hmm. but it, en- it ended up not being re- like professionally like actually sung and recorded until the 20s. I think like the late 20s. Um, and, yeah. ever, and ever since then, it's been recorded like a gazillion times. And I know Scott and I were talking about this before the the show. Um, this specific song, they someone was was doing a history of this specific song, like in the seventies. And they were noting, like in the seven, even even just in the seventies, there was what you say, Scott, like seventy five different versions of this song with different tunes, different words, different names, but it's all like the same song somehow, mm-hmm. right? Isn't that what you were saying? Yeah. Yeah. So. It's, it's a little hard to pinpoint a lot of this stuff. Um, but again, there are certain things that persist in the, in the story, um, which we'll get to in a second. Um, yeah, that's on the, on the idea of like the variations, that's like the beauty and mystery of folk music um, uh, is that there, you don't know who came up with it. And like in this one, um, I think this like melody is, is just, I think it's just an incredibly beautiful song. And long before I ever had any idea what it was about, I was actually very surprised to figure out, to find out what it was about. I had known the song for a long time before I realized, you know, I, I'm not, I often don't listen to lyrics very closely. Um, and this one's very obvious. It's obviously about a murder, but, but I wasn't listening that closely. And I just, I just took it for this beautiful melody. And, uh, and that's, yeah, that's just what I like. Who, who came up with that? Like, I don't know. Like, and no, and we will never know. I mean, we'll know some at some point, but, um, that's what I like about these things. Yeah. And, and what I, what I think is interesting too, about, about folk songs like this is it's almost, it's almost built into the song itself that if it, since we don't know who wrote it or when it came from, you can literally take it and make it your own. You can spin, you can spin your own melody on that. You can add a couple extra verses if you want to, you can change some of the names to make it apply about your neighborhood or the girl you dated or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and then there you go. You create a whole nother version right there, just further perpetuated the song, but that's kind of the beauty of it. Yeah, and I've thought about I've thought about even doing that with this song because, like I'm saying, like this is such a beautiful melody, but such a uh, like macabre like subject matter. Like maybe I could make a 
not that this isn't kid friendly. It'd just be weird for kids, but I could make a, a kid friendly version or something. That's just about whatever. It's just about something my kids like or something. Where you kick her in the shins, kick her in the shins, and push her over. Yeah, Granite's recording the kids' bot version of this. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't even need to. Public domain. <laughs> At first, I thought you were gonna like start Fed posting. Like, actually, I committed a murder, and I'm gonna apply this to my life and the murder I yeah. committed. And I was like, whoa, easy. <laughs> um. So okay, yeah. So that that's the song we're talking about. Um. Do you guys want to get into the lyrics, or do you think there's actually you know what? I have one more preamble thing, if you guys are cool with it. Um, so the, this version that we're talking about, like I said earlier, is done by the Chieftains and Bonnie Vare, two separate groups, bands. Um, the Chieftains are an Irish, like very traditional folk song, folk Irish uh, band that have been around since like the early 60s. They're still around now. Um, they're all like super old, but they, they play just your traditional Irish folk music. They got all the Yulian pipes. They got the, like the mandolin and the fiddle and just very Irish sounding. They've done a lot of different stuff for a long time. Um, and so I, I guarantee you probably heard one of their songs before. Um, they actually did the far and away soundtrack uh, with John Williams. Wow. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that movie before, but yeah. um, I, uh, when I was a kid, my parents had that movie and we always, I grew up watching far and away with Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise all the time. And it has like this Irish music. It's about people coming from Ireland to the United States and settling in Oklahoma. But, um, but after that, um, I remember in like the mid nineties, uh, the chieftains had a, an album called, um, long black veil. And it's mm-hmm. similar. It's similar to, it came out in 95. It's similar to the album that we're talking about now. The album we're talking about now is called voice of ages and it came out in 2012, but long black veil, the one that, that, that I had growing up, my parents had actually very similar. So what it was is the chieftains playing their traditional Irish folk thing, but they'd have these like superstar musicians come and like do guest vocals for them. So they have one song with sting and it's like a traditional yeah. Irish song. that's actually straight up in Irish and he's singing with them. And then there's another song with uh, Mick Jagger, um, the song Lock, long black veils by Mick Jagger. And it's very similar to something like this, where like there's a lady and there's a guy and the guy is, um, is, is basically having an affair with his friend's wife and um, it, he gets found out and he gets killed. And so now she's walking around in a long black veil and cries over his body and just very Irish, very similar to this song. And she, and she can't admit, she can't like say like, you know, how he died or whatever, or like, right. There's, that's like some twist of the song, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But they, Sinead O'Connor is on that one. So very similar to that. I grew up listening to that all the time. So I knew the chieftains were and Bonnie Bear is, is anyone who's anyone in, in hipsterism knows who Bonnie Bear is. The guy's been around for a little while now, but, um, I was telling Scott before that, before you got on the, on the, the recording granite, um, this song, if you didn't know it was a folk song, it sounds like a Bonnie Iver song. Like the way he sings it, it sounds like it would just be on one of his random albums. You know, maybe not the lyrics, but at least like just the the melody and the, the way that he's mm-hmm. singing it. So um, I thought it was very well done as well. But that's just the only preamble I wanted to give is on the actual musicians who are performing this. Yeah. And I'm not even uh, specifically a fan of, of, uh, I, how, how do you even say it? Bon, bon Iver. Bon Iver. It's uh, supposed to be French, I guess. But um, yeah. he, uh, I'm not even specifically a fan of him. There's a bunch of versions, but I, but I think this version, yeah, is really, really good. Agreed. Yeah, I listened to the um, Art Garfunkel one, and it's it's not very good. He, he, yeah, I like this. I like this one better than the Simon and Garfunkel. Or is it just Art Garfunkel? It's just it's just Art, and he's not great without Simon. Simon yeah. could do it without without Art, but 
not the other way around. <laughs> Does, yeah, it, it, when he left on his own, it was like, dude, why are you even doing this? Yeah, it's bad. But I think we should get into lyrics. What do you guys think? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, do you guys have the lyrics pulled up? I just get them off the I do. One. I do have them, actually. Okay, let's make sure we're all... <laughs> Quoting the same the same song, um, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking under the there's a YouTube video. I'm just looking in the description. Okay, so, so yeah, I'll, I'll go first if you guys are cool with that. Yeah. Um. So first, the first stanza, first verse says, "Down in the willow garden, where me and my love, um, excuse me, down in the willow garden, where me and my true love did meet. It was there we were courting. My love fell off to sleep. So we got two people in love. They're courting." Which is, I, I guess, an, it's an older term that means like they're 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 dating to be married, or maybe it means they're engaged. But she falls asleep. Yeah, there's definitely implications of marriage when it says courting. Courting, yeah. But it says courting with an apostrophe, and I think that's the the Appalachian like you know folk yeah. coming out a little bit there. For sure. Um, Granite, do you want to do the next one? Yeah, I can. My version is slightly different. Um, so, but whatever. As long as it's not totally different, just uh, we'll roll with it. Um, the next verse is, I'd brought a bottle of burgundy wine, but my true love did not know. I planned to poison that dear little girl there on the banks below. Yeah, the one the one I've got. Um, say burglar's said, wine? No, no. It says, I laid a bottle of burgundy wine. My true love, she did not know. It was there I murdered that dear little girl down on the banks below. Oh yeah, this the version I got. It's that first he poisons, uh, but then the night, and then he, he basically kills her in three ways, which is kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, that was something that someone mentioned about the song is that usually with murder ballads, it's usually poison, stab, or drown, and this one does all three. So, well, I think part of it was like he's got he's got to make sure she's like really dead, and we'll get no, to that yeah. in a minute. But but that that is something that's interesting. You point that out, uh, Scott, because that is something that does persist in every version. Is it all involves the like the poisoning of the wine or the poisoning um, and and killing this girl? But let's let's go on, Scott. Why don't you do the next verse? Okay, it says, "I drew my saber through her. It was a bloody knife. I threw her into the river. It was a horrible sight." So that's the that's it happening. He did it. Yeah. Well, so so he 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 gives her the wine and and. According to to uh, Granite's version, she's been poisoned, and then he also stabs her with a saber, which is like a sword. Mm-hmm. So let's let's keep going. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, my father often told me that money would set me free if I would murder that poor little girl whose name was Rose Connolly. This part is a little. This part's a little confusing to me. I mean, I think he's just saying. I think he's just saying. You know, we have the money to ensure that if you ever get in trouble. You don't have to pay any consequence. You don't have to like pay the price, but I'm not really sure. But it also kind of sounds like the dad put him up to it. I don't really understand why that would be. But I, I think this is the illusion, and, and maybe this is lost in translation, or or like maybe over time. Um, I think this this is the illusion to her being pregnant and costing uh-huh. him money. Yeah, well, because the, the dad, what, what the dad is saying here, and because I, I read into this as well, like because there's no there's no like official like story of what this is about, but what it seems to be in a lot of these different versions is the dad has money and he's basically telling his son, it's okay. You can kill this girl and get away with it because we have money. You won't go to jail because we'll, we'll, we'll 
buy you out of jail. Basically, we'll get you out of jail. Interesting. Um, and the I, girl's I name is. Ro- I didn't read that into it. Okay, but the the um, girl's name is Rose Connolly. It's an Irish name. Yeah. But, um, but we keep and going. in every version, it's it's something close to Rose Connolly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, yeah, something very similar. Something similar. I'll go to the next verse. Uh, now he stands at his cabin door, wiping his tears from his eyes, gazing on his own dear son upon the scaffold high. So this is, this is the part that confuses me because now it's like, oh, the dad's actually not happy about this. Or I guess the scaffold is referring to he's going to be hanged or something. Yeah, he's yeah the, the money didn't save him. Yeah, yeah th- That's why I didn't read into it that they had money and that it, that it could... The money, their money would get him out because he, it, it immediately goes to him being. Uh, yeah, well, because the reason, so what led me to believe that is what it says in the version that we're singing is my father often told me that money would set me free. But there's another version that says my father, he had told me his money would set me free if I would uh, poison yeah. that, if I would poison that dear little girl whose name was Rose Connolly. So it depends on the version, but all of them involve the dad and somebody's money, either the dad's money or not, but the dad's telling him, Hey man, either I've got money or someone's got money. We'll get you out of jail. Yeah. So, so the father actually brings it up and puts the thought in his head, um, with, uh, with promise of money somehow. Mm -hmm. And then, and then it's the father that's weeping. Um, and then I will finish it off. Uh, my race, my race is run beneath the sun. The devil is waiting for me for I did murder that dear little girl whose name was Rose Connolly. Um, so, so that, that's another, um, theme that is often present in these is that they get their comeuppance, um, either, either they're, uh, convicted and, uh, and held trial or whatever, or they go to hell in, in most, in, in many cases they meet the devil or something. Yeah. Well, and it's, 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 uh, that, like I was saying earlier, like in all version of this thing, the girl falls asleep and it's either cause she's been poisoned or because she just falls asleep. He then stabs her and then he, he, uh, dumps her in the water of the river mm-hmm. and then he ends yeah. up dying because of it. So I, I was telling Scott, like when we were talking about this one earlier, granted, like I still, because this version doesn't say she's pregnant. It doesn't even give a reason. It just basically says, mm-hmm. hey, this is your lover. You guys are courting. You can kill her and we'll make sure you don't get in trouble because we've got money or because we got money. Money will make sure you don't get in trouble. And I'm like, well, dude, why did you kill her? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't explain that. And it's so, it's so, it was so confusing to me on like why, not only would he kill her, but he would like poison her, stab her, and then throw her body in the river. And it's like, man. Yeah, like, I feel like we're, we're missing like a set of verses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Bonnie Vera, um, what did you mean by this? But but for some reason, like even with how like confusing the lyrics are, trying to follow the story, this is a very popular um, murder ballad that, that like we talked about. It's everyone does not everyone, but but many folk singers have covered this, and so uh, yeah, it, it's just it's interesting. Um, and and I think that might be just on the strength of the tune, <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. I mean I think there is, um, at least in in olden days, I do think the subject matter was exciting. Um, but now to a modern audience, even as recently, you know, because you got like Garfunkel recording it and uh, like the Everly Brothers, um, I would assume that by like the fifties and stuff like a song about killing might not be that exciting when you've got like TV now and movies that mm-hmm. show 
all this all this salacious stuff. Uh, but I think I think a long time, you know, in the nineteen twenties or something, it probably was kind of kind of cool and a little bit uh, transgressive to share this song. But I'm not sure uh, what the appeal was, like you know, other than other than the music, which is uh, which to me is like very very well done. Well, I think for a long time as well, part of the reason that, that this was may have been popular is because it was just considered like a a folk song from the area. So anyone that's in that, that greater Appalachia region, you know, in Kentucky or Virginia or New York or whatever, is like, Oh yeah, my grandma used to sing this song and now it's been recorded. And so we have an aversion. I can listen to it to remind myself of that, that old folk song I grew up listening to. You know, I wonder if that's kind of how the popularity may have started. Um, but yeah, you're right. Cause this is like the like art Garfunkel. That's a modern singer, you know, Bonnie Vera, this is from 2012 and he's still singing this, but it's talking about, giving people wine and like stabbing him with a saber. Like, I mean, does anyone even know what a saber is? I mean, it's a sword. It's, it's a cavalry sword from like the Napoleonic era, you know? And, and it's interesting because you would think that some of these, some of these things portrayed here do seem a bit old fashioned, like things that we don't see anymore that we can't really relate to, but here we are. This song is, this song is only 10 years old and here we are talking about it now, which, which is interesting that it, that it still persists. And sure. actually there was just, I just noticed, um, I have a big playlist on Spotify uh, where I've just gone through and found like all the versions on Spotify and added them to one playlist. <laughs> and um, there's actually like another wrinkle to this. There's, there's kind of other versions that not other versions, but, but closely related songs with different names. But, um, but I just noticed this, this week, like a couple weeks ago, um, Rufus Wainwright, I don't know if you know who he is. He's somewhat, I mean, he's had a pretty big career, but he's maybe yeah. not you know, household name, but he, uh, he just recorded a version within, you know, this year. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Crazy. I have to give, give that one a listen. Check out, check out old Rufus again. He's, he's making a comeback with this. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fun song. Well, not fun, but you know, it's a, it's a, um, good song, but for, for, for me, this has been the value I've seen in, in this episode is just the because I had never heard of murder ballad. Well, I actually heard it the first time I heard it was last episode when we were talking when we uh, discussed English Curse, um, which actually hasn't come out yet. Yeah, it, it, it <laughs> will. Spoiler alert. Well, it but, will by the time this one airs. Yeah, it will. It will. It will be out. Um, I'm kind of dragging my feet, but uh, um, where was I going? Oh yeah, j- just the the genre is great, and and um, so if we're done talking about the song, are we done? Do you guys have any more to talk oh, with about? With like lyric analysis, yeah, I don't have anything else. Yeah, okay. no, because um, I uh, I messaged uh, in a group chat of the Coldwell guys to see who 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 of them have even heard of murder ballads and what their favorite ones were and stuff like that. Um, so one out of four. Or sorry, one out of four didn't know what it was. So anyway, um, they were kind of talking about some that they like. There's Coulter Wall had one, and hmm. and Nirvana. And I guess it was a big thing in the '90s to to um, cover murder ballads. Well, Nirvana like did Nirvana the Pearl um, Jam, the in the Pines, right? Like the what they have a different name for it, but yeah, Nirvana did that old Lead Belly one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that one. The, yeah. 
when I first heard of it, heard it, uh, my my immediate thought was Folsom Prison Blues by Johnny yeah. Cash. Um, he he has several. He has quite a few. Um, it kind of fit his vibe pretty well. Yeah. Um, Cash has a version of uh, Long Black Veil as well. Yeah. He does. Oh, does he really? Yeah, yep. it's great. Yeah. I really liked uh, uh, Delia. What what was that one? Delia's Gone, something like that. Um. But, but anyway, yeah, they can get real dark and real like uh, gruesome. The way, he, like he talks about the first time, the, the first time he shot her was in the side, and then, and then anyway, it, it, it's it's an interesting thing. Um, like I, I wonder because like we were talking about, it it serves, it it seems to have served a purpose, like like a warning or whatever. Um, do, do we think it still serves that same purpose now? Um, no, um, I don't know because I don't really, because I don't think, I don't think people now, um, use music, uh, at least in the, at least at the like mass market level, people really like get values from music now. Um, it's like music is just entirely, has been retired, entirely reduced to just like beats. Just entertainment. Yeah. Well, I think the, um. I don't know. I, I might push against that a little bit. Just just look at how, um, like I talked about with like uh, Dixie Chicks, how they flipped it on its head, and they're and they're kind of trying to impart their values, um, like in the opposite vein, I guess. That I don't know. Um, that song is like twenty years old, though. I wonder if people are still yeah. doing that kind of thing nowadays. You know? Well, yeah, they do. I think uh, I was I was in that list of murder ballads I was talking about. There was a Taylor Swift one, so. Like, I was just gonna say, like Taylor Swift just came through town. All these Swifties are talking about. I'm like trying to think about, like Taylor Swift stuff. I'm like, is she trying to like? I think it's, I think it's called No No Body No Crime or something like that. So, like her song. Yeah, I mean, I think there's still you, you might still get them made. I just mean that uh, they don't serve the same purpose. Like if assuming the purpose was when they were when you know at the turn of the century or something, they were like morality or warnings or something about like sir, how how certain lifestyles might play out um i just don't th- i doubt they serve much of a purpose now i guess is what i'm saying they they might still be made though yeah right well and i think i think i think we were onto something earlier i think it was you saying it scott that i think or maybe it was you granted but i think just human beings have always had a fascination with tragedy and tragic stories and just the macabre and so in in a way this story is every murder mystery on tv right now you know what i mean and or, oh yeah there's like catch a, a killer all these things it's just the same kind of stuff replayed over and over again and people eat it up there's something in us that 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 is 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 just lit up by this kind of thing yeah i don't think people will ever stop being um and i i used the word like titillated or whatever earlier and like yeah. that's kind of that's that's i think what it is that's that's like the response i think i'm gauging when i hear like women talk about true crime podcasts. Um, it's just exciting for them. Uh, and and yeah. I think, I don't think the people in the past were um, like morally better than us either. I think they also, I think they also got some of that value from it too. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, because it, it, it discusses, I mean, yeah, it, it's hard to know what their values were and, and, and what they were allowed to talk about in mixed, mixed company, but it, it, these songs kind of, uh, gave an excuse or a 
like permission to to engage in in such content i suppose so i think we're doing the work of historians here right we're just we we're taking taking a source text and making up how these people thought about it pretty exactly. much saying obviously these people enjoyed murder which i actually i, I mean in in reading about a bunch of different ver- like different uh murder ballads from the from the region um I, this sounds this seems like something i feel like bennett's written about this or something about like like sort of norms around violence among scots irish and stuff um they might have been quite murderous uh or at least a lot more comfortable with this stuff than, or maybe it was a little more normal or something. They were closer to it. Um, well, that's the, the, the Notre Dame uh, mascot. Isn't it the fighting Irish? Isn't that like, it's literally an Irish guy fighting. And yeah. I, that, that's kind of like, that's almost like what we call the nowadays. It's like the meme, right? It's like the, the angry Irish guy. Um, yeah. I think yeah. those are different Irish. So those are the Catholic Irish. These would oh, have been okay. the, these would have been like fake Irish people who were actually Scottish and English. Yeah. But um, they're like, yeah. So they're like Protestant and settled in the, in the South and Appalachia. But, um, but say, I mean, same deal, like uh, same deal where they, you know, maybe just had, had more inclination toward violence. Yeah. I, I seem to remember uh, um, Dr. Bennett talking about, I think uh, maybe when he was referencing Albion seed, the book, um, and, and like the, the, the people that settled in, in Appalachia are, they were kind of more tribal and, um, and violent. Like they would like, uh, um, for, for weddings or whatever to get, to get a wife, they'd, they'd get a gang together and go kidnap the wife and stuff like that. And it was, oh, yeah, they, like do that, they do that now. They do but, that but, now. But back it's then, the, it was like actually violent with like killing and, it was and stuff actual like bride napping. Like she wasn't uh, just playing along. Yeah. yeah. Well, because there's that that show that was I don't know if it's still on, but they talk about the Irish travelers. Have you guys seen that? And there's like a couple uh-huh. episodes where it's like a wedding thing. So Irish travelers are almost like I don't know, like gypsies, but they're Irish. But it's the kind of thing where they're speaking English, but you need like subtitles to understand them because their accent yeah. is just so thick. Like Brad Brad Pitt and Snatch. Exactly. That's exactly how they sound. The whole, the whole, everyone, yeah. the whole community. But one of their traditional things they do is this bride napping thing, where if a guy wants to marry a girl, like all of his, all of his bros have to go basically, like literally kidnap her and like steal her away, and and they still do it now. You know, it's not as violent as it used to be, but that 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 whole idea of like literally kidnapping a woman and marrying her uh, still still persists. That that um yeah tradition yeah and, and like in talking about um like they would have i guess their form of a duel where they'd like wrestle and there'd be maimings and biting off fingers and, and it's just like yeah it, it, it was just different like other other southerners um like regarded them as as like savages yeah and didn't want anything to do with them and like at that time like you know kentucky and stuff was the frontier like they had been pushed right. to the edge they were forced to live in in the in like the hills where you can't really farm as much because they couldn't get along with other people. Well, that's part of the reason why you'd have mm-hmm. Irish neighborhoods in the early United States because people didn't like the Irish. They no. only, they'd only stick with each other. And uh, actually, I remember this is this is like a small anecdote that's mostly pointless. But I remember uh, when I was in high school, we were watching the movie Glory. Do you guys remember that movie Glory about the, about yeah. the Civil War? Um, but there's this, there's one scene in that where there's this guy who has a very heavy Irish accent, and he's basically training all these black soldiers how to march and everything. 
And I remember my teacher pointing out at the time, he's like, look, this guy, like, cause, cause the Irishman in the movie, the way he's portrayed is he's yelling at everybody, like just yelling, like his, his, his yelling himself horse at everyone, cussing him out, swearing at him, just like belittling them. And, uh, and my, my teacher basically pointed out like, yeah, here's, here's the English, Irish, angry Irishman, like that meme, right? The angry Irishman who, um, basically hates everybody, but another Irishman and would probably still fight him as well. And that was the comment mm-hmm. my teacher made about like, just talking about how the Irish are perceived, you know? Yeah. Just a, a feisty people, I guess. Yeah. So, so this, um, this song would have kind of resonated probably more with people of that, uh, ilk, right? Like it, it would have, it would have made more sense, I guess. Um, that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. That's like the thesis I'm sort of like working myself toward. And also just considering some of the other, some of the other popular murder ballads, um, that like there was one that I was reading about that was very salacious. It had like two affairs in it. And, um, some guy was like sleeping with multiple women and, and then he ends up having to kill one of them or something. And, um, it was that it, it was very popular song and stuff. And, and yeah, I guess I'm thinking that these were, these songs were relevant to those people. Like they, they liked it or resonated with it because it was what they were seeing or something. Right. But that could be wrong. I don't know. Well, I think in a way too, like we were talking about earlier, it's, it's a way for them to sort of live another life. Like they couldn't watch TV, but they could have a, they could sing a ballad about like, well, what if like, you know, I had this lover that was going to try and kill me or whatever. That's kind of exciting and scary, you know? And, and that's just how they got that, that, titillation like you've been saying right yeah whatever it is women get out of true crime like they, they were getting the same thing out of these i'm sure right because a lot of them we haven't discussed necessarily a lot of them are like true accounts of murders um that mm-hmm. this one this one in particular um isn't isn't like pinned down to anything that we know of um so it could be but um for a lot of them that, that came out of appalachia um, during its heyday were actual like documented murder cases um, that you can, you can find court records for and everything. Yeah. So these are all proto true crime. For real. Yeah. That's basically what it is. Yeah. That's like what they were. That's the role they were playing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's still fascinating to me. And I, and I don't know if we can ever get to like why that is like, why, why is well, this so fascinating people? And it has been for hundreds of years. Why? You yeah. Know? And, and that's the what funny thing I, I mentioned. I mentioned that uh, feminist podcast I was listening to um, and, and they were like open arms against these murder ballads and how misogynist and stuff they were. But, it, it, but like, I guarantee that both those ladies go home and watch true crime, like documentaries or whatever. And it's like, yeah, and also the women of the era probably liked these songs. Exactly, like, like they're they like they they couldn't see past their own. Um, also, what we were talking about earlier, their own like they were just imparting their own political bent on on these historic songs, um, which you should like, never do unless I agree with it. Unless I agree with it, exactly like what we're doing right now. Probably, I don't know, um, but yeah. So so it's like, how, how do they? I, I don't know. It's I, I'm I'm fairly certain these weren't they they weren't as big of a deal as far as like permitting men to do these heinous acts. Like it, it, they're no bigger than than like whatever Bundy show you watched on Netflix last week. You know, well, I don't get how it glorifies the male 
the 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 guy's role in this because what happens in the end? He literally gets hung in the uh, scaffold, right? Yeah. And his dad and his dad's crying over his soon to be dead son. Yeah, that was. The, I don't get the how YouTube, that. Yeah, the, the YouTube video I watched that the the woman did try and argue that it glorified the men, and the, and the comments, like half the comments, were just saying like, "I'm not sure how he's glorified here." Yeah, he whoever wrote this song intentionally put him dying at the end and his dad being sad that he died. Like, how is that glorifying anything? He's just as dead as the girl he killed. I don't, I don't know. Right. Yeah. If anything, it's just like a warning to not get pregnant outside of wedlock. Like that, that's for the most part, that's what I'm getting from it. Um, or don't uh, court Irish dudes. Yeah. Like don't <laughs> Scott, Scott Irish guys. Exactly. Because they never know. They might give you some burgundy wine, and next thing you know, mm-hmm. you're sleeping with the fish. Yeah, I think everyone should listen to every version of the song. I I, I go on YouTube and I uh, search it, and there's a bunch of performances from like people at county fairs type type things, or just like small concerts and stuff, uh, just mm-hmm. like folk duos. A lot of good versions of the song out there. I and I, I I do that. I find a song I like and I find every version of it and listen to all of them. <laughs> well, binge uh, we'll every post version. Your, you should send us the, the playlist you put together and make it make it public so we can post it in the yeah. show. Yeah. Um I will uh, yeah, I can maybe I could yes, I can send you at least an image of it or something. Yeah. I mean yeah. whatever. A willow. I'm. I'm thinking now. Is a willow garden a specific place, or is it just a garden that has willow trees in it? I'm trying to think. Maybe just a romantic place they were meeting, but I wonder if it's an actual place now. I just I sorry. Know. Just a random thought came to my head at the end of. All I don't this. know because because there's there's ties to it being originating in England or or Ireland or something like that. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it would have to be somewhere over there. So I don't yeah. know so, somewhere where there's willows and a river. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's cool yeah well uh i don't know if you guys have anything else to to add to that but granite good song man i like the i like the the uh the different take on uh the song suggestions it definitely keeps us on our toes and a, a very interesting discussion i appreciate it um oh thank you if i ever come back i will i will just give you a normal history song it's just like no, about, that's fine it's just like about uh you know like uh 9-11 or something <laughs> Make sure it's a Radiohead song, though. Um, yeah, I don't know if they have any like history songs, really. Probably in, in in shrouded way. I mean, but not you know, they have references, but not history songs. Really. With such a deep catalog, wow, I can't imagine. <laughs> they probably do. They probably do. Awesome, man. Well, hey, the, the the floor is yours for the next minute or two. Do you have anything? You know, where can people connect with you? Do you have anything that you, you know, any projects you're working on or anything you want to? share with the folks back home that don't already yeah, follow you. Absolutely. Uh, follow my podcast. If you, if you can, even if you don't want to listen to it, just follow it. Cause I'm trying to get numbers. <laughs> like um, and subscribe. Yeah. Like subscribe, comment. Um, maybe, maybe you guys could put a, I'll send you a link or something. Uh, if people are on Twitter, follow my Twitter, you know, it never seems to grow. You know, I'm very, obviously very concerned with numbers. So I'd like to, you know, grow all my accounts, be a huge influencer, retire. We, um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely lotion or something. <laughs> um, I'll definitely post uh, your your Twitter handle and um, the 
the podcast link in like the show notes. Um, I know it, it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you prefer that that people take the YouTube route to your to your um, podcast. Is that correct? Or yeah, I drive care? everything to the YouTube um, just because that's where like I started and amassed a small following, and I just I'm just going to stick with it for even if it's not the most logical thing to do. Okay. But yeah, you should, people should also subscribe on Spotify and Apple. They should subscribe in every place. So every time you release this, release an episode, they download it three times. Yeah, and they should actually listen to it three times. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Well, yeah. Do. What I do, I'm not, I'm not saying you should do it, but what I do is I turn it on when I go to sleep on repeat, and it just plays over and over yeah, on, on I triple rack, speed. Rack up the numbers. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> I actually have it going on every phone and device in my house. Yeah. At the same time. I go to the computer labs, the local community college. At the school. <laughs> and I turn it on every computer. You got to get those numbers. Yeah. That ad revenue. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah, we'll definitely post those things. If you have any other projects you want to shout out, let me know. I can I can put it in the show notes. But um, other than that, man, it, it, was, it was good to have you on the show. We'll definitely have you back. Um, but – that's that's all I've got. Do you guys have any parting thoughts, words of wisdom? I have nothing else for me. Just uh, listen to all these songs and watch Raising Arizona, of course. <laughs> Shout out to Raising Arizona. Yeah. Uh, the the best movie of what was it? 1989. 89. I think. No, actually, you know what? It's 87. I was just oh, look, I was just looking at it. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Is it that old? I didn't know it was that old. Yeah, 87. I'm looking at it right now. March, actually March 13th of 87, so just last month. And um, a younger Holly Hunter, so. And nice. Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I, oh. I could uh, double down on that. Go go watch Raising Arizona. It's got John Goodman. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, well thank you guys. Yeah, we'll, we'll have the song play us out, so uh, go ahead and listen to those these fun lyrics, and we'll catch you in the next one.
Thank you.